in an increasingly geopolitically volatile world, having assets in a completely uncorrelated jurisdiction is very good diversification. So even if you don't necessarily do it for the extra alpha, you can do it for the diversification and the peace of mind. On this episode of Early Bird, Ladislas Maurice, the wandering investor. Ladislas joins the podcast today to talk about investing in frontier stock markets, including the advantages and disadvantages in 2023. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you where you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Ladislas, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing? Good, good, Stephen. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Today, we're talking about frontier stock markets, what investors should know about them in 2023, and some really good options that you'll be talking about here. But before we start, um, Ladislas, in 30 seconds or or less, how would you describe your background and biography? Sure. So... Bachelor's in Canada in business. Then I went to business and law school in Australia at the University of Sydney. Then I worked for seven years in corporate. So first at Nestle headquarters in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And then I climbed up the ranks in Africa mostly. And so my last role, you know, having a job was sitting on the executive board of Nestle in Ghana in charge of the milk business for a few West African countries. And then at the age of 30, I left. I initially wanted to find a, a new job in, in Dubai. I wanted to spend a bit more time in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But then I went on a big road trip from Oman, so near Dubai, to Paris by car, going through all of um, the UAE, Iran, Armenia, Georgia, all of Turkey, and then Eastern Europe, Balkans. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I found myself having both the the time and the money to mm-hmm. take care of investments and and see opportunities because you know when you're working full time yeah we all know the the grind <laughs> I mean you're based in New York uh, people work a lot yeah a long hours and it's hard to it's hard to focus on your own personal finance mm-hmm. and it's hard to spot different opportunities than other people when you're just you know in the, involved in the rat race so I started getting involved in some property deals along the way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things were successful and I never really went back to looking for a job. Fantastic. (laughs) You you are the wandering investor. This is what you do. Exactly. Um, So now I wander around and I invest primarily in emerging and frontier markets. So So both real estate and stock market. So let's go on that topic. uh, Frontier stock markets or frontier markets. How would you quickly define that? 
like um you know these little markets that no one ever discusses when you're thinking of you know places little countries in central asia like uzbekistan kyrgyzstan or a lot of the african markets some of the south american markets mm. essentially markets where you generally do not have access to at all even with international bro with um ib with international brokers you know you typically need to open a brokerage account in these all in all of these little countries to be able to trade locally yeah and so, so really not... sorry go on so undeveloped markets really got it undeveloped markets you know oftentimes as investors we often think from the lens of a domestic only we only invest um in our own countries that's true for investors like me in the u.s but also true for investors all around the world. Sometimes we only think about our domestic market without opening our eyes to these other markets. And as retail traders, retail investors, investing in stocks in those countries can also be very lucrative. Uh, what, what do you think are the advantages, real quick, just investing in a frontier stock market? Cool. So I'll highlight both the advantages and the disadvantages. Perfect. Let's start off with the, the disadvantages, just to be clear. So often these markets are very illiquid mm. it's sometimes very hard to even buy shares sometimes some shares are not traded at all for a few days so it's hard to get in and it's even harder to get out so that's one aspect two is there's often a lack of information so it's hard to find information on these local markets mm. if you're trading on the west african stock market the francophone one you know everything's in french and even then there's not a lot of information or if you're trading in uzbekistan it's in russian or in uzbek so hard to find information there's also more potential for insider trading issues it's a small market everyone knows each other people are buddy buddy and then things happen that you know are not good for normal investors mm -hmm. so i would say those are some of the key risks and then also, you know, when risk is off, typically these markets tend to plunge, though this isn't always the case, but they can be very volatile. Oh, wow. So those are the disadvantages. The advantages are that, yeah, they can be volatile, but they can, they can really boom. So that's one thing. When, when they run, they absolutely run because they're so illiquid, because there's so little going on. When there's just a little bit of foreign money that comes in, the the valuations of these companies just suddenly shoot up. So that's one aspect. Second aspect is often you can buy into businesses that are simple to understand. Um, so, you know, you can just go into an emerging country like a Tanzania and you can buy the, the local beer company. And the local beer company, you look... Typically, a lot of these companies have very little debt on their books because debt is expensive in these frontier markets. They interest rates for the local currencies are typically very high and dollar loans are expensive. So they're not companies that have a lot of leverage. So being able to invest in companies that don't have a lot of debt that are growing typically a lot faster than your average companies in Western countries because they're developing countries. So there's more happening, more going on. Um, so, you know, you can find businesses with double digit growth year after year with zero debt on their balance sheets and that have quite a bit of moat around the business due to the operational challenges of 
conducting business in these markets. You know, like, you know, if suddenly Stephen wakes up one day and he he decides that he wants to open a a telco company or whatever in, you know, Rwanda, that's that's pretty hard to do because typically you need to get involved with local politics, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of moat, inherent moat around these businesses. And they have they're at very low valuations. You can get some of these businesses at, you know, valuations of you know, P's of four, five, six, spitting out double-digit dividend yields and with very little debt on their balance sheet. So from from a value investment point of view, these businesses are quite attractive. And unlike investing in, you know, some East Asian stocks like in Japan, in Korea, Hong Kong, where you can find a lot of value stocks, the reality is that when you go into these high growth emerging frontier markets there's generally other catalysts such as demographics um and you know a lot more development to happen um unlike markets such as japan and south korea where it's just you know an aging population with aging management and very conservative management so in, in these countries you get value stocks but with a different risk profile yeah, I was just going to ask that. What about some of the other foreign markets out there? But, you know, you seem to, to bring up a good point about the type of value you might get with some of these uh, stocks in frontier markets. Um, why, why, why 2023? Why would this be a good time to get into frontier stock markets? Is there anything in particular that makes this year attractive to investors? Yes and no. So on the one hand, rising interest rates mm are very hard on emerging and frontier markets because of the amount of dollar-denominated debt. We're probably going to see a few sovereign debt crises in emerging and frontier markets, which is not a positive So for this year. On the other hand, not all markets have these issues, especially markets that are dependent on commodities because commodities have been doing quite well. And I would say at the end of the day, the, the story for these markets is not about going all in, you know, so I'm not telling people go into Uzbekistan and put all of your life savings in Uzbekistan. It's just about taking a step back, looking at your portfolio. And, you know, this is not financial advice, but you know, a lot of people are, as you were saying a bit earlier, completely exposed to their own jurisdiction. Americans are all in America. A lot of Europeans are all in Europe. That is inherently risky. So people like to think their their own country is probably less risky than it what it truly is. And they feel that they have a bit more control because they're a bit closer to things. But in an increasingly geopolitically volatile world, having assets in a completely uncorrelated jurisdiction is very good diversification. So even if you don't necessarily do it for the extra alpha, you can do it for the diversification and the peace of mind. You know, allocating one, two, three percentage points to of your portfolio to these high growth frontier markets is far from crazy, especially if you have a longer time horizon. Good point. When we return, 
We'll hear from Ladislaus about his favorite specific frontier stock markets to invest in right now, including how to get started with that. But first, a word from our sponsor. Let's be honest. Networking for professionals is a pain in the ass. And the few options available are full of spam and people wanting to connect with you just to sell you something. So, a group of creatives launched a solution for this. It's on Meet, a new social network that allows users to connect with you only if they buy you a coffee first as a way to show their real interest. And after the coffee is accepted, a chat unlocks and you can redeem your own drink at Starbucks. It's that simple. It's on Meet users absolutely love this networking platform because it provides a way to find mentors, connections, and even job opportunities just by doing a nice thing like sending a coffee. So if you're tired of the spam and the unwanted connections, check out It's On Meet. Go to itsonmeet.com and download the app for iOS or Android. It's On Meet. They'll meet you for a drink. And now, back to today's discussion. So, uh, Ladis, last word today, we're talking about the frontier stock markets. Um, you know, we talked a bit about why, uh, the state of things this year, why you, sh- why you should look into these markets, why you shouldn't. Um, if you do look into these markets, I know this is something you look into, and there are a few particular markets that you've identified um, for this year, and you wanted to spotlight what 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 are some of the those frontier markets that you 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 want to uh, sort of identify? So there's a market that I like a lot. I've been involved there since 2019. I first went there to buy real estate, and then when I saw the local stock market and how cheap the the equities were, I, I bought. I came back with a brokerage account rather than an apartment, and that is Uzbekistan. Yeah. So Uzbekistan is in Central Asia. It is between. Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, and Turkmenistan. So right in the heart of all the stands. <laughs> and why? <laughs> so I, I know this doesn't sound very appealing, but why Uzbekistan? It was a completely closed off, essentially communist economy until approximately five years ago. And a new president took over when the old guy died. And he just implemented all of these reforms. Um, remove capital controls, let the currency float mostly, and rolled out the red carpet to foreign investors. And what's interesting is that because of its location in, in the heart of the uh, the historical Silk Road, everyone wants to invest there. Everyone wants to have a stake there. So you have the Chinese that have been building a lot of instru- infrastructure. Uzbekistan used to be part of the Soviet Union, so there's still a lot of Russian money coming in. And right now, with the with the whole conflict, a lot of Russians fled Russia and moved to Uzbekistan to escape uh, conscription. So the, the local market is seeing a boom just from all the Russian talent moving there. Then it's also a nominally Muslim country. And Gulf countries are investing a ton of money in Uzbekistan because they want influence on a on a uh, on another Muslim country, and with the Gulf with the high oil prices now making a lot of money, they have more money to invest. 
then you also have Turkey that has something to say because Uzbekistan is a Turkic language in Turkic country. The Uzbek is a Turkic language, very similar to Turkish. So there are linguistic and cultural and historical ties between Uzbekistan and Turkey. So there's a lot of Turkish investment in Turkey. India has been investing a lot because they they like to be in Central Asia. They like to invest behind Pakistan, especially now that Afghanistan is not is not an option anymore. Yeah. And then the the Americans and the Europeans, they always meddle everywhere. So obviously they're investing too. So the Uzbeks are managing to be in the middle of it all. They're neutral and they're attracting investment from everywhere. At the same time, they have a very young population. They have a lot of gold. Um, over half of their foreign reserves are in physical gold in Uzbekistan. They have a very low debt-to-GDP ratio. I think it's like around 40% or so. And they have a big, big industrial base because during this, these these decades of communist autarcy, they were essentially a self-sufficient economy. And now that they're opening up, what we're finding is that their industry was actually not uncompetitive. So they're actually becoming big exporters of of a bunch of different products and, you know, steel and this and that. So, and glass, you know, massive glass company, they're even exporting cement to some extent. So it's an economy that is like all the indicators are green. And when you invest, so obviously now it's a bit more expensive than when I, I got in in 2019, but you can still find some very decent valuations. P ratios of five, six, double-digit dividend yields, growth of 20, 30% a year. The currency's been relatively stable. Um, so in many ways, it's it's a bit of a safe haven. Yeah. <laughs> so I like the Uzbekistan story. Now, am I all in Uzbekistan? Of course not. But I do have a small percentage of my over portfolio in Uzbekistan that I plan on keeping for, for a while. Wow. You certainly made the case for Uzbekistan. Um, I think you're certainly having a lot of investors out there probably hearing this thinking, wow, um, frontier stock markets, you know, uh, how do you get involved in something like that? Obviously, we're not saying go do that. Listen to your financial yeah. advisors. This is not yeah. this is just for entertainment purposes. But if you're an investor and you are interested in these frontier markets, what advice would you give to getting started with that? Cool. So there, there are two ways. You can either invest yourself directly on the local market. You can open a brokerage account remotely. You can trade in English. There's like some very primitive software, but you can do it in English. There's there are some brokers that speak English. If people are interested, they can get in touch with me. I'll introduce them to my broker. Or there are local, there are funds as well. So there's a fund called AFC Uzbekistan Fund um, that, that enable people to invest in Uzbek equities. The, the fees are not low. Uh, but it's one way of, of being able to invest without having to deal with reading reports in Russian and and, and in Uzbek. So obviously, this is absolutely not financial advice. If anything, for sure, your um, financial advisor will tell you not to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and this is not just for Uzbekistan. You, the same services out there, I'm sure, exist for other yeah. frontier markets, whether it's Africa, Latin America, Asia, all around yeah. the world. Same thing in Africa. Like If you look at African frontier markets... So I'm not talking about ETFs, you know, like you can buy in New York on, on the New York Stock Exchange, Africa ETFs that typically just buy 
large mm-hmm. Western companies that have that are a bit overweight Africa or commodities companies that have you know operations in Africa. When you buy in Africa, you want to go onto the local stock markets. You want to open a brokerage account in Uganda and buy the local beer company. You want to open a brokerage account in in Kenya, in wherever, in Ghana, in Ivory Coast, and and buy the local stocks. So if you if you look at these little markets where you buy the local blue chip companies, African stocks have been in twenty twenty two were between flat and up 5% roughly. There's no true index, but seeing some of the funds in the space between flat and plus 5% and compare this with the, with the S&P last year, yeah. African stocks were actually a better investment and were completely <laughs> uncorrelated to other markets. It's a good so hedge. it was an interesting hedge. Now, is it going to be the same thing in 2023? I don't know because um, there's a lot of you know food inflation, energy inflation, et cetera, that's hitting the people very hard in these in these countries. Yeah. So commodities exporters are probably going to do well, but commodities importers are going to suffer. So it could go either way. Uh, but Africa's performance in 2022 was quite interesting because typically when risk is off, these markets yeah. go down. But actually, what we saw is that no one is in these markets. So there was no one to leave. Wow. <laughs> no one was leaving because there was no money. Wow. So the markets didn't go down. <laughs> so, you know, am I saying that money's going to come soon and prices are going to go up? Honestly, probably not. There are probably places that are going to recover faster than mm-hmm. Africa. Sure. But it's, it's interesting. And it's a way of playing African demographics. It's a way of playing, you know, the, the last continent that could really really move forward in, yeah. in the decades to come. So again, would I go would I go with a substantial position in African stocks? Absolutely not. But some a small allocation with a long-term outlook is objectively far from crazy. Yeah, I, I, it does sound very interesting. You're right about that. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast, explaining frontier stock markets, what it means, how to get involved. Really appreciate it. Before we wrap up the the show. I just have one final question, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you is: uh, If you were Mister World, what would your talent be? If I was Mister World, what would my talent be? I'm not sure I understand the question. Like if it was a, if you were in a talent show or talent or like sort of like a pageant, sort of like yeah, yeah. If, if Mister World, what what would your talent be? Oh, what would my talent be? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Um, hmm. In, in being independent minded. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again to Ladislas Maurice for sharing your insights on frontier stock markets. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.